0: teaching at night today I want to talk about the word potential and how do we tap into that potential that only Christ can show us start off with give me Psalms 105 verse 6 and this is so interesting to me because everybody in here is like a Joseph I don't know how many people know about Joseph but Joseph was this great kid who God gave him a vision and when God gave him the vision that he was going to wear the robe of many colors do you know And he told everybody about the vision. Everybody wanted to do bad to him. His brother sold him as a slave. He ended up having to work in a house, Potiphar's house, and be trained on a skill, on a craft. And then he ended up getting arrested and living in jail for many years. Now here is a chosen favored man of God, right? And then he actually, and then he actually then gets out of jail and then The Egyptian Pharaoh put him at the right hand of serving and, 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 and leading his country. And then, here's what's even more awesome. He was a slave. And when Pharaoh set him free, he still decided to stay and do the work he was called to do. See, we live in such a easy, fast gratitude, gratitude, like, um, uh, it's not gratitude. Um, gratification. Thank you. We live in such a world where gratification, we just want what we want. And God is not in that. He wants you to have the desires of your heart, but he's not into you doing it your way. (laughs) I laugh because if we can get a grip on this, do you know what I mean? And really get the principles of Christ, then we can actually be processed into the potential he created us to be because everybody has something to fulfill on this earth that Christ already predestined and planned for you. He did it for, you can read all through the Bible. Every character had something predestined for them to help move the kingdom of God on earth. And so it says in Psalms 105, 6, this is when David wrote a psalm and he was writing about Joseph. And he was saying, you children of, the, of his servant Abraham, you descendants of Jacob, Psalms 105, 6. <laughs> I was like, that so they're not right, but that's good. 105, 16. It says, for he called, he called, God called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. All right. Give it to me also in the Amplified. This is what's so interesting. When we get to a place where God has put us, the first thing we experience is famine. Okay. It's going to be the first thing. Canaan was the land where God took the Israelites and that was their promised land. But the moment they got in the promised land, they experienced what? Famine, okay? So it says, he called for a famine. God called for the famine. Ugh. And when he called for the famine upon the land of Egypt, he cut off every source of bread. Okay. We are born into this earth in a natural form. We have a body. We have a heart. We have a soul. And we have the, the Holy Spirit wants to possess our heart so we can know what God has for us. When God is leading you into the land, the promised land, out of bondage, the first thing you're going to experience is famine. I know that this is this is the best chart. We all have a kingdom life. We're all to be living the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. God wants everybody to live in the kingdom. But the first thing to do to live in the kingdom, you have to accept Christ in your heart. You have to confess him with your mouth. And then as you start seeking the kingdom, God will start showing you who you are in the kingdom. But before that, we live in offenses, past, unforgiveness, fears, hurts, and we have the power of God in us. But we're living in such darkness of selfishness, we don't even know what our real potential is because we're not willing to go through the famine. The famine is a very tight and narrow place. The word says, It's a narrow place, and very few find it. I like that. We have very few today. (laughs) Meaning, what I'm trying to say is, when you're going towards this to find out your spiritual potential of what you're called to do out in the marketplace, man, it's going to hurt. I mean, I know, because God took me from one place and took me from another, and it became very narrow. And I kept thinking, nobody else is going through this. But the best thing is, is you can think nobody else is going through it, and there are other people going through it. God wants to awaken the spirit and stir the spirit inside of you so he can say to you, Arise and go. And do what you were called to do in the spiritual sense of your being and the natural sense of your being. And so, I love this because to do it, he is going to cut off every source of bread. That means everything that fed your belief. Everything that fed what you believe you're to be, he has to start cutting it off. It says many will have to leave mothers, fathers, daughters, wives to enter the kingdom of God. You actually have to leave people's opinions. You can't, I mean, I'm looking at an army person, right? When you are in the world and you are growing up and you choose to join the army, right? This is the same thing. Tell me that, what's it called? Basic training? They're going to teach you their way, correct? Okay, and I'm sure that's a very narrow door, and not everybody makes it. <laughs> because I, I remember a time, now, you know, I mean, I do remember a time where they created the grace card. Do you know about that? Where, like, the military would have to go, and they'd have to go through this training and change, but it was becoming so intense that the that the government, the politics, had to come up with this thing called the grace card. So if they were picking on you too much, You could hold up the grace card and the person would have to stop harassing you. Do you know what I mean? Or stop working. Everything is a mindset. I remember that and I kept thinking, wow, how do you get broken if you have a grace card? You know what I mean? But yet the beautiful thing in Jesus Christ is the moment you break is when you receive the grace of God. See, God can only work at us. He brings us a famine to break us. And sometimes we don't want to go through the breaking. But right when the breaking happens, boom. You have entered into a kingdom and enlarged place where you can experience the promise and potential you were called to do. Do You all get this? But you've got to cut off the sources of bread. I'm telling you, when the military take those people in, they're not allowed to bring clothes, right? They can't bring their mamas. They can't bring their wives. They can't bring anybody. And it's, it's, it's so amazing to me how the military is so great for men. You know Israel? Israel, my sister in high school dated a Jewish, I went to a very, very highly populated Jewish area. And uh, she dated a Jewish boy. And, um, well, when they got to graduation, he had to break up with her because he had to go back to Israel and serve two years. See, isn't that amazing how they set up something good to take young men, make them serve something they didn't really choose to serve, but all they're doing is working out a behavior, an understanding, a discipline in you. And so I thought that was really awesome when I got that revelation, that Israel, that's really cool. They make sure all their men serve, well, I think it's women now too, have to serve two years to be advanced onto whatever they're to do in their life. But that's they're all going to serve that and they're going to learn how to serve their nation. So it's so beautiful. So how many people want to really tap into some potential? Because that's what I want to hit today. I know everybody sitting here has tapped into a measure of potential because the spirit of God is in you and if the spirit of God is in you, it's always pushing you to do something That And that's your drill sergeant. Your Holy Spirit is is your drill sergeant. It's so awesome. So I'm teaching a lesson that really kind of hit me. God created mankind to have the potential of leadership. So each and every one of us has the potential to be leading something for Jesus Christ. You're either going to have a wicked ruler or you're going to have the the, uh, Jesus Christ in your soul ruling and reigning. So you can do what you were called to do. What is the meaning of the word potential? Potential is a powerful force still in a state of dormant. So think about it. That means there is a dormant, untapped potential in you that you've actually got to work within yourself to build. So it's dormant. It's not that you can be born and, you, come on, let's think about, I, I love going to elementary school days. The kid that was really popular, it was easy for him to have friends. The kid that was good at sports, it was easy for him to get picked on the on the team, right? These were all their natural what? Abilities. A true evangelist, man, they're going to be the popular kids in school because they were already given the natural gift in the earth to draw people. But until they tap into the potential of what God wants them to do, which is to draw people to Christ, well, they'll never be happy. They'll always draw the people, be the life of the party, and then be depressed the next day. (laughs) I mean, we have to be able to look. I was a school teacher for 11 years. And when I would look at my kids, I would identify them by earth, air, water, and fire. That was just my best way to do it. You know, my little water learners were my emotional ones. You know, they're just all over. Like you spill glass of water, water's all over, right? And they cry a lot. But I saw I wasn't going to try to make them not be that way. Because that was really what their nature was. And then you got my, you got your, I got my earth learner, immovable. No, Mrs. Brian, that is the rules. You know, and they're, they're bringing the rules back to you. <laughs> and they've got to do everything by the book. But I can't put them down because that's what their natural what? Gift is. And then you have my fire. Those are my kids that just have the passion that they think they can break every rule to get it done. And you have to sometimes let them do that because they can get it what? Done. Do you know what I mean? And then I have my, and then I have my little air learners that don't know who to believe. (laughs) They'll become this one day, they'll become this the next day. That's because they have so much fear, but yet they have so much love to keep people together. They just don't, they're trying to keep everybody, they're my peacemakers. You know what I mean? So when you see potential in people, we've got to learn how to identify what's dormant in them. How do you identify what's dormant in somebody? You look for their behaviors because the thing that they fear the most is the dormant behavior God wants to untap. I mean that's that is so deep. The dormant thing, the thing that you think is your greatest weakness, believe it or not, is your greatest spiritual strength. My worst weakness was talking in front of people. You couldn't I'd walk into a room turn red. I, you can't you couldn't get me to even enter a room and I could teach a class of kids and even that I would get embarrassed. And then when one day gene who became a mentor to me said you're a teacher for the body of christ i said no i'm not and he said yes you are i said i do not get in front of people and he is like yeah that is that was an untapped dormant potential that i had to actually grow in christ to be able to teach a class and so even though you can go to school and be something of quality doesn't mean that that's what you are in the spiritual realm okay so i want you to keep this it's dormant okay It's something that has power to become great, something that is possible, something that is probable and will likely happen, but has yet to come into existence or have life. Potential exists only in the possibilities and not in the reality. Okay? I've already taught this. When you are running a business, you're running people, you're in charge and you're leading people, reality is what? Their perception. Perception of what they believe is their reality. Whether it's true. It's not true. God, that's why the Lord, he said in his word, he said back in the old times that one day a book would be created. And it would be created with the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And God would use the Holy Spirit through men to write the written word that is the true living word of God. And when it was written, it would be given to us as a manual of truth. That means there isn't anything that doesn't exist in the earth that you can't find the truth in here. You can't, I mean, it was awesome. Last night I taught a class and I taught about the controlling spirit in your soul. And it was awesome. I asked everybody, have you ever heard of Ahud? And nobody raised their hand. And these are people that read the Bible. Ahud was a judge that was put in place to help kill the controlling spirit. But when we went back and we broke down, what steps did they take? Man, watch the open potential. That's going to happen with the people that sat there. Sometimes when we just know the right thing to do and we know the truth. How many, when you know the truth, you don't want to, you want to apply it, right? You want to apply the truth. And when you apply that truth, then you can break off the darkness that covers the hidden potential in you. That's why we have to spend time in the word. If people don't spend time in the word, you don't know that you have to go through a famine. See, now I know this because I've been through the famine more than once. And then what I love about it is when I see somebody else going, I'm their best cheerleader. Because I know the outcome. The outcome is if you're going to go through the famine, the famine's purpose to cut off everything that holds back your hidden potential. The hurts that have been put in you. The fears. The unforgiveness. the Offenses. Do you know the word says we are not to be offended? Because if you know the truth, you won't be offended. And then I was like, God, how does that work? And then he showed me. If somebody is offended, then they don't know something in here. So don't get mad at them. Do you know what I mean? Hear my voice and I'll try to help you teach them. But you can't you can't get mad at them. Because that just means they don't know him. Even Jesus, when he was on the cross and he had the two other criminals behind him, one said, hey, I want to go where you're going. And the other one spit in his face. And got, he just looked up to him and said, hey, forgive him. For why? He does not know me. He does not know you. And anybody will only act out of truth because everybody in here wants truth. Everybody out there wants truth. But they're trying to find truth in other doctrines. They're trying to find truth in other ways when the only way to find truth is to go through the famine. you got to go through that tight, narrow place so you can enter into the promise that you were created to have. And you know what it says? It says, we all came from heaven. Your spirit already lived in heaven and it was already imparted in you when you were born. You came out a living spirit. But then God says, when you choose me, when you choose Christ in your heart, there's a moment you choose Christ in your heart, and you know when you do. You choose him. Now he has a job. He's got to bring back to your remembrance what you were called to do. So there is no mistakes like Joseph. Joseph saw, he knew that he was going to wear a robe of many colors. He didn't know it was going to be for in Egypt, in a land of bondage. In a land of idols, in a land of everything that's not God, but that's where he was called, so he could bring the truth. And people started to trust Joseph so much that they knew he had the living word in him. It didn't make a difference if the the presence of God was still on mighty man in the Old Testament to show us a way, to show us a way. So with that potential, potential cannot be opened up without famine. And I know that's a hard thing to teach, but it's the truth. <laughs> when you get some high, I'm telling, okay, this is also another thing. My daughter's stepson, Jennifer's son, just went into the military. And it was awesome because this kid was doing drugs, he was doing everything, and he was, but yet he wasn't ready to find God yet. So that's what I loved about the military. Something in him said, I'm going to join the military. Got totally cleaned up. This kid does not drink. He does not do drugs. He's now on the right path. So he can receive truth. Did you get what I'm saying? We can't even hear truth until we go through a famine of things taken away from us. And see, we can do two things. We can just give it up. <laughs> or we can fight our way. And if we fight our way, then you—it it is like a pinball machine. And you're doing your best to slap the pad to keep that ball from not going down. But ultimately, it has to do what? It has to go down if you know a pinball machine, which I know is really outdated for the kids today. But you know the physical... When you would see it, and you would be so pressured, you'd be slamming the side of that, trying not to get the pinball to go down. But praise God. It is important for us to know that there are two types of potential in us. There is a natural natural potential, spiritual, I'm going to define them. Natural potential is what everyone has when they are born. It is inherited. It is particular to that individual. Okay, that's what's so beautiful. It's irrevocable, the word says. Your talents that you are already good at, God gave those to you as a gift the day you are born. It is natural. It is irrevocable. They can never be taken away. Now, that's really powerful. Each and every one has a natural gift that they can't take away. So, whatever you choose to do in your, your job, whatever you choose to do out in the marketplace, you're really kind of doing something that's of your what? Natural ability. Something that piques your interest. So you're out there doing it, and that gift is irrevocable, whether you use it for God or you do not use it for God. It still is going to... God gave you that irrevocable gift so you can succeed in the natural. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes we've got to figure out what is our natural gift. Sometimes we're confused of what even is our natural gift because you're so used to conforming to the world and what people want you to be, you haven't even tapped into who you really are in the natural. And so this is where we've met people in this ministry... We've met people in business that come in and they're like, well, I did this because I became a doctor because my mom said if I became a doctor, well, then that's what you do. You become a doctor. But they say they don't really like it. But they actually hone in and do that. But it's not its not spiritually feeding them, nor is it motivating them. Do you know what I'm saying? How many times have you did something because you know you were asked to do it versus then you knew if you were supposed to do it? You get what I'm saying? It's two different mindsets. The Lord says, that we can either conform to the world or we be transformed by our mind being renewed in Jesus Christ. Well, this is where when you decide to accept Christ and you're like, I want the change, bring on the famine. You gotta say, bring on the famine. Do you know what I mean? And when you bring and you say bring it on, you're gonna go through a lot faster than somebody who says, Hold off the famine. <laughs> Hold off the change. Because God is trying to transform your mind to know your gifts naturally and spiritually. So naturally, there are already things that work good in you. I've met adults that have done things all their life, and you can see what their natural potential is, and they can't even see it because they've been so told to be a certain way. And we got to, that's, a, that's one of the first things you have to break. Spiritual potential is received only when you become born again. There is no spiritual if you are not born again. A lost person has an empty void. That is their spirit. You have a human spirit, but the human spirit is it's dormant. Every once in a while, you can get something to rise up. Uh, every once in a while, you can hear the intuition of God because God protects you. I'm telling you, a lost pe- person is better off than a saved person who doesn't even try to seek God. I'm telling you, because a lost person's ignorant, he doesn't know what's in him. But when we know what's in us and we start seeking it, that means it automatically has to do something. When you ride a bike, what happens to that bike? It goes forward. You can't not have the pedal. You can think, oh, I'm not ready to go yet. You put your foot on the pedal, and if it presses down, the bike is what? Moving, even if you don't want to move. Come on, you know what I mean? We're trying to get our stability. When you're lost, you don't know about anything of the Spirit. You believe in God. You might even know verses of the Bible, but you haven't accepted Him in your heart. So that he could reveal what spiritual things are for you. Okay? Because he has an appointed day for that. So when we become born again, boom. I love it. Now you have a seed in you. There's a seed of light in you. But around that seed is what? Darkness. Because now it's time. Now we are called now. Once you accept Christ in your heart, you can't stay here. Most of the church is here. They're not learning because to get to here, to get here, you have to go through a famine. To get here, to get here, you have to go through a famine. To get to this position, to get to this position, you have to go through what, everybody? A famine. Something that's going to tear off darkness and and grow the spiritual potential you're called to be. And it's called working out your salvation. Going from glory to glory. The hope of glory. Jesus Christ is in your spirit. Your spirit is here. Come on. Let me tell you, when you start tapping in and feeling this breathe, you start to feel dizzy here. You get a little lightheaded because your soul has everything of darkness in it. This is where the darkness dwells. And then if it's so bad, it manifests in your body. How do you know it's manifesting your body? You have sicknesses you can't get rid of. God said there's only one sickness that you're supposed to have and that is your sickness unto death. So every time I get sick, I say, Holy Spirit, Is this my sickness unto death? And I'll hear yes or no. And when I hear no, then the next part of that verse says, then it is for the glory of God. It doesn't mean that I won't get sick. It just means that when I get sick, if it's not my sickness unto death and I ask the Holy Spirit, because he's the, the word says, he's the, he's the source. He is the knowledge of all truth. You gotta cut off all bread and get to the Holy Spirit. Because that's where God speaks. So he gave us that gift. When Jesus was resurrected, the source that speaks to you, come on, you all hear voices in your head. There are voices of darkness or there are voices of the spirit of God. And you have to choose which one to do. He says, I put before you every day, life and death. Come on, everybody, does everybody have a choice to make today. Everybody has a choice to make today. So he puts before you life and death. And so when he puts before you life and death, you have to make a choice. Usually where God is, is in the famine, because in the famine, when you get through it, you enter into a resurrection, okay? And this is what I, this is the best way, I I cut this out, I call this, it's like a little cup, right? In here, when you're given that light, it starts pushing you, because it wants to better you in the potential that Jesus has for you. But you have to go through what? A narrow door, very narrow place, which few people are willing to do it. But then on the other end, he fills you with more of him. And if he fills you with more of him, then that means you can see him more. That means you can hear him more. That means you can experience and know what you're to do when you're when the choice is put before you. And that that is what it says. We are not to be a lazy bride of Christ. We are to say, Hey, you're gonna start what you finish, because the word said he is the Alpha, the Omega, he's the finish, he's the starter, and he's the finisher of life God only looks for us not to be perfect he's looking for us are we willing to go through the famine so we can get the increase and you know I, I do like using this military example right now because if somebody goes through how many how many weeks of um, basic training 10 weeks so if they're willing to go through the famine give up everything after the 10 weeks what do they get they get a resurrection they get put what they get responsibility put on there you don't think they feel good? Come on, they feel good because they really were put through being stripped of everything. That's how it works. I love how the military sets an order. That is what Jesus is trying to do in the spirit with us. But guess what? Jesus doesn't want to do it where we. he wants to pull out all the offenses. See, the military is working to get you disciplined. See, in the natural, we got to learn discipline. But in the spiritual, we have to learn obedience to love. Because to go through the one, to, to know your untapped potential, he's going to do it through love. Where when you become broken, you're serving him. You're going through the famine because you love him. You're not going through the famine because you love your wife. You're not going through the famine because you love your mom. You're not going through the famine because you love your job. You're not going through the famine because you love money. Because that's exactly what he's pulling out for you so that when you do gain more of him, he gives you more to steward in the world. Same thing in the military. If you're disciplined and you do well, you get more rank. If you get more rank, you get more authority. If you get more authority, you get more ability to make choices for other people's lives. And see, that's the same thing in the spirit. God wants to say he wants us to want the spiritual untapped potential. How can you draw people? The most biggest honor we have on the earth today. Jesus said the highest honor we have is to bring disciples back to Jesus. So Jesus can bring them back to the Father and reconcile them so that they'll know what their truth is. Do you know how many people die and never tap into their spiritual potential? They die. And how do you know? They're miserable. They're, how, how many people have you really met an angry old man? And why is he angry? He's only angry because he never seeks the kingdom of God. He could know God and he could go to church every Sunday. But that doesn't mean he seeked the spiritual potential because it's the only thing it says, The word says, I've come to give you eternal life. Great. When you get saved, you get eternal life. You never have to move from that position. And when you die, you're going to heaven right here. That's Isn't that nice? Right here. You could stay here the rest of your life. But if you never move to the next movement God moves you to, what's going to happen? You're going to die in all that darkness. You're going to be miserable. We feel good when we move to the next place. We feel good when we move to that next place. Because we have a resurrected Christ in us, which means the moment he died on the cross, he was what? Resurrected with power and authority. Each and every person in here has power and authority to do the work God created you to do. But it's not come to a church and grab a mic and be a pastor. See, that's the lie we have taught. You have a call on your life. Oh, come on up. You know what I mean? I'm serious. It's not like that. Guess what? You have a call on your life. Go out and live it. <laughs> Don't it's not a performance. It's a you actually have something to live and breathe and to go out in the workplace and do it. And it's going to be a mixture of your natural and the untapped spiritual. Okay, is this good? You guys good on this? Okay. Here we go. Give me. So how does this potential work? Give me John twelve twenty four. Potential works on the basis of Of the principle of a seed. Like I showed you in the born, The moment you accept Christ in your heart. And you don't even know why you do it. (laughs) We are already built to cry to God and accept Jesus in our heart. You know that? We are built that way. He sets us up to do that. But the moment he does. Boom. A seed gets planted in you. And it has life even though it feels. We can walk around and say I got Christ in me and I'm depressed. I believe in Jesus and I'm miserable. That means there's an untapped potential in the seed in you. You've got to open up that seed. So the word says, I tell you the truth. Now this is Jesus. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many what? New kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lies. All right. The biggest biggest honor we have on this earth is to bring other people into the knowledge of their spiritual potential. Man, there are so many courses that you can take bringing out everybody's natural potential. Right? Come on. Come and get to know who you are. Let's identify. And they make you take a million tests about your personality. And then they tell you what your personality is. And then you try to become it. But you can't even become it until you tap into the spiritual And to tap into the spiritual, that means Christ has to first be in you. The seed, the hope of glory is what the word says. But if that planted seed in the soil, okay, okay, you think your body. Your soul is the soil. It says in the word that our soul is the New Testament garden. And that that's where half the battles exist, is what we believe and then hearing the truth of Christ. He even says, I tell you the what truth do you know the truth has no feelings once you hear the truth when people i love it when people come in here they look at this and you just you just watch their face it's not a bad thing it's a good thing because they're seeing the truth it says the spirit within you can only be drawn by the truth of the spirit that's the word the spirit of truth can only draw the truth of the spirit we're looking for the truth everywhere and we're not even looking for the truth where the truth originated God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed in the heavens before the heavens, the earth, and everything were created. They already existed. They created this way, and there is no other way. When you see things happen to people, we're not supposed to get upset when famine happens. We're not supposed to get upset when sickness happens. We're not supposed to get upset if somebody loses their house. We're not supposed to get upset. We're supposed to rejoice. Because what does that mean? God is with you. (laughs) God is with you if you're going through a famine. But most people, when they're in the famine, they back away. And they try to use their natural abilities to hold on to what they have because they don't know there's a resurrected Christ. They don't know there's a resurrection. That means you have to experience a resurrection. He promises that. But he tells us the rules in here. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soul, okay, so the seed of the Holy Spirit has to plant a word of God in the soul. And that means your soul has to die. You have to die to what you believe, and you've got to believe the word he is teaching you. But if it dies, if it will die, if you will die in your famine for the lie that you have in your soul, okay, then guess what's going to happen? You will produce much seed. You will have a harvest. Okay, so let's put it this way. When people are choosing to believe in Jesus or to believe in with a Muslim, Buddha, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to, the only way to identify that Jesus Christ is truly God is to take his word at his word and then ask the Lord to process you in that word. And you're going to experience the death, but you will experience life. But if you go and you pray to a statue like Buddha that has no power, has no word, but yet you're doing the form of putting the oranges and putting whatever, you know what I'm saying? And you're doing its rules and regs. You're not having to die. It says if you do this, you'll already succeed. But it's not asking you to die and resurrect because you can't resurrect. A statue is a statue. It's a stone. Statues are made of wood and stone. We actually make the temples. God says in the Word that our body is the temple of God. We hold the Holy Spirit. He said it is so sad when people don't take it. They don't take what he wants to teach and take you into. You actually, we make our bodies temples. We carve them up to be the way we want them, and we start idolizing our own body instead of idolizing the one who created it and saying, hey, let's do this. And there's a force that starts generating you that pushes you to do the truth. Come on, everybody's told a white lie. So if you were to say to yourself, this week, I am not going to tell a white lie. I am not going to lie, right? You can conform yourself to that, but it's going to be so hard. But if you say, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus, your word says never lie to a brother. Never lie to a brother. Always tell the truth when asked. Never lie to a brother. And you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I give that to you transform my mind i'm planting that word in my soul now it says you're going to be what tested mm-hmm. but yet the moment you're facing the test if you say in the name of jesus the greater one is in me than i am in this i can't do it mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you find yourself telling the truth and then when you're done telling the truth you can't even believe you did it do you get what i'm saying this is what when we work with people in marriages when we work with people with just simple things believe me i worked with a girlhood who was bulimic and she kept throwing up, and I had to like really get into where is in her soul, what does she believe? She told me she heard a, a voice saying, "I'm fat, I'm fat." This girl's 80 pounds wet, you know what I mean? And she has a voice telling her she's fat. And she's God asked me to have, bring her into my home, so I bring her into my home. And then I realized she told me she was over bulimia, that God had tra- that God had renewed her. But then I found that she was throwing up, and when I found it, I knew I wasn't to say anything to her. Because that wouldn't have been good. That would have been confronting her with her own lie. And you can't ever change anybody by confronting them with a lie. You want the truth to change them so that they will confess their lie. See, that's the ultimate thing. Jesus Christ taught us to confront people not by exposing them, by letting the truth of the word expose them to themselves. And then they'll immediately confess from their heart. And then boom. Right when you confess it to Jesus, not to man, man, he forgives you right in that moment. Opening up an untapped potential. And it was so awesome. The Lord showed me that she was doing that. One night she was up late and she was writing on the computer. I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm I'm writing a book. And I said, what are you writing a book about? How to get over bulimia. And I said, that's cool. I said, "The the last chapter is going to be a real interesting chapter. And she said, why? I said, because always at the end of the book... You tell them how you overcame. So I asked her, how did you overcome? Even though I knew she didn't overcome. Man, her she just stopped writing. And then she just started crying. And she fell into my arms and she said, I have not. I still do this. And then I cried with her. You know what I mean? Because she's not a bad person. She just, she keeps hearing the voices. So I said, how many times do you hear the voices? She says, all the time. I said, okay, tomorrow when you go to work, I want you to bring me a count. Now we're on correcting this because she did what confessed it because she was willing to open an untapped potential that was dormant in her this is what's so awesome this girl loved politics and i was like yeah don't relate but she loved politics well the moment we did this every day i gave her scripture i said every time you hear that word you say this scripture planting a what seed every time you do plant do this well, we got down to 29 times a day from 170 times a day she heard the voice. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And then all of a sudden she started putting on a little weight back on. You know what I mean? And then she started liking herself. And then she got this idea. She felt like she heard the Lord told her she's to go to DC. Go to DC because she loves politics. So it was amazing. It like happened in less than 30 days. The girl went to DC. She met. The guy of her dream, this girl is married now. She's cute. She's got a little fluffiness. You know what I mean? Like, but she's happy because she realized the untapped potential in her had to do with a spiritual move in her soul, not her natural ability. All I did was get her to a spiritual place where her natural ability, her love for what? Politics. She worked in all, she's a big Republican, so she worked in all the Republican things. She ended up meeting her husband who loves what? politics so now she's with the person she's supposed to do and they're just going to like save the country (laughs) i mean it cute because she does think she'll save the country but she is awesome because now she can hear the voice of god see god and move in what god has for her all right do you see how she believed a lie exchanged it for the truth and only the truth resurrected her to right where she needed to be and see We see people all the time come in here and they're going from one job to the next job. They're leaving this job and going to this. God's telling me to do this. Okay. If God's telling you, then it's time to go through the what, everybody? Famine. (laughs) And the famine gets you to a place to know where you're really to go. It was time for her famine when she moved in with me. Do you know what I mean? And the famine, part of her famine for her season, doesn't mean she doesn't have to go through it again. We have to always go through this. He puts us in cycles. He doesn't do it to us all at once. But her famine, she had to go. She had to really admit to somebody. She had told everybody she was already delivered from it. But she was telling a what? A lie. Shame. Shame is a hunter. I am telling you. It hunts you down and lures you into the lie, the deception of the trap. So you miss exactly where God is leading you. Because shame is a hidden spot in your soul. And shame is from Satan. So the moment you start feeling shame about something, how do you know? Irritability rises. How do you know? Fear rises. How do you know? You start hating somebody. (laughs) The moment you start hating somebody, you better turn around and walk towards that person. Because that means whatever you have to famine is in the person you hate. Man, the famine is always in the person who drives you the most crazy. The word even says, what is it if we do things for people that we like? We've got to serve people that we don't like. And everybody doesn't like somebody. <laughs> I don't care. Everybody everybody doesn't like somebody. But if you don't walk towards that one you don't like, you are missing your famine. Because in famine, you're not what? Eating. When you eat, we eat to feed our bodies, but we eat for enjoyment. Right? So when we go and drink and party and have fellowship with people, we're enjoying the atmosphere. We're feeding, we'll eat more than what we normally would have eaten, right? When we're in celebration, but when it's time to be shifted and changed, you've got to cut all sources of bread. And you've got to get your body to a place where it can hear God. That's why we teach a lot about fasting. It says in Isaiah, God will call on a fast when it is time for you to go through a famine. You're not even going to want to eat. How many people have been through that? You don't even want to eat. And you just, and you know you don't want to eat, but then you're like, I'm going to force myself to eat. But you have to let your body go with what Christ is doing because the Holy Spirit will cause you to fast. That fast is to help you hear Him, to lean you down so you can hear the instruction to get through the narrow door. And so the potential, the resurrection of what your life is to have will be revealed. There, God has many mysteries to reveal to each and every one of us if we'll keep pressing through. And then now, Because we're here and everybody in here owns a business, I'm going to tell you this. Every business you own, you are responsible for the people. Whether they're vendors, whether they're workers for you that rent like from yours, whatever they are, you are actually responsible to help disciple them into their truth through Christ. And if you're like, yep, I don't want to do that, I'm just taking the paycheck, God cannot work with you. He wants to give you all the desires of your heart. He wants to give you things to have, but he can't give them to you with the wrong heart. See, we start off living, working a job to get a paycheck, and that's good, but it really doesn't fulfill us. It only fulfills us if we're buying something with it, but it doesn't crack open our untapped potential because it doesn't cause a seed to die. It causes us to buy things to keep our flesh alive, all right? And so getting that cycle is very right. All right, so give me Genesis 1.12. It's very important that as we grow in potential, every seed that starts to flourish becomes a tree. And every tree will bear fruit, no matter what. That is how the Lord created the earth, that when a seed dies, it goes in the ground, and if it dies, and then it gets watered by the word. Then it has to, it, it will eventually start to what? Grow. Come on. We all were in, in school. I think it's first grade. They give you a little Ziploc bag. And they give you a wet little nappy. And then they put a little seed in there. And you take it home. And you have day one, day two, day three. And you watch this dead seed, just with a little moisture, start to crack open into a stem. And then in the stem, what comes first? A leaf. And then after the leaf comes the flower. And then after the flower comes the fruit. So there are stages that we go. When people come in here, they come as a dead seed. They come as a dead seed. But when they get through there first, they're spouting a stem. And then when they get down to here, we are spouting some leaves. I'm serious. We are spouting leaves. And leaves, it says in the word, are for healing the nation. That means the leaves are the things that you've learned and experienced. Now you can teach it to somebody else. Every person here can teach another person. Even a person in a born-again position. They have enough power in that little mustard seed of faith that they can turn around and save a person. You can stay in this position, save all the people you want. You can bring them to Christ, but you can't help them grow up because you did not grow up. So... To get to the next pace means you can help this person get to the next. Everybody is usable in the body of Christ. But you can't teach somebody to grow up if you never grew up. You can believe, but you can't teach somebody to mature in it because you haven't matured in it. It says when it is your time to go through the famine, God puts you in a place and he surrounds you with a cloud of witnesses. It's in Hebrews. And he says And when I surround you with them, they're to help coach you through your famine. God never leaves you alone. He does not forsake you. But he gives you people that's not to take care of you in the famine. They're to watch over you. They're to start praying for your famine to work. <laughs> Every time I start praying for someone's famine to go, you know what I mean? Let's go. Let's, because why? They're in agreement. Then next thing you know, it's a couple of weeks later, they're not in agreement. <laughs> because they have to go through the change because they've never experienced the resurrected Christ. The first grace we receive is accepting Christ in our heart. Boom, there's a small little resurrection. We feel a little bit better. We feel cleaner. We feel like we have, you know, there's something good. But then we've got to go through the first serious famine. Okay, that's that's a very hard place and very few people in this earth have found it. But there are people who do find it and it's going to increase as time goes on. Because as sin increases, so does the grace of God. So God is calling many people right now to grow in this and not... Come sit in a church, help people out in the workplace, help people out there, break open this potential. It says the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed bearing plants and trees with seed bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And you know what? This is what's crazy. There is good and there's what in the world? Evil. You can plant seeds of evil. Okay, we talked about this yesterday. It was so awesome. If you're an angry man and you have raised your children and all you did was beat them, yell at them. All you did was plant seeds. What seeds did you plant? Anger. And you think you did a great job as a parent until one day your son comes up to you and screams at you in anger. And you're like, who are you? And he needs to say you. Because our kids are seeds of what we vegetate in them man I'm telling you when my daughter and I came into this ministry she was 11 she's now married moved on but when she was 11 years we were sitting in the Episcopal Church she laid on my lap and she said mom there's nothing here I was like what are you talking about I've gone to the Episcopal Church my whole life I like it what do you mean it's pretty church we go up take communion what do you mean there's nothing here she said mom there's nothing here I was like all right we walked into this building when Rachel walked into this building She grabbed me, and she said, Mom, there's something here. I said, What? What's here? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And she said the presence, she recognized it was a presence. She didn't necessarily know it was the presence of God, but it was like I was listening to Rachel because she was so innocent. You know what I'm saying? And so she was guiding me. Her innocence guided me to seek that there was something more than just going to church every Sunday, paying my tithes, paying money, thinking I'm being a good steward. And then I realized, oh my God, I had an untapped Holy Spirit that I didn't even know that I can feel, breathe, hear its voice, commune with God through. And then it was just like Rachel started experiencing it. And then I heard God said, now hand her over to me. He said to me, you can only speak to her through the word of God. And that's the only thing that's going to work for her. Man, I was like, oh, that's easy. (laughs) And it wasn't. Until I had my first moment with her where I just wanted to tell her. She told me she wasn't going to do something. I said, yes, you are. You're going to. And then immediately I stopped. Because all I was trying to do is shine a light on everything that was wrong. And then I saw an angel rise up behind her. And then it made me shut up. And then I was quiet. I went to my room. I asked the Holy Spirit, "You, you you need to show me something in this Bible right now. I really, I went like this. You need to show me how to talk to this girl right now. You told me. (laughs) And I went like this. And the page I opened to, it's like something shot out to me. And then I went to her. I was very nice. I thought, sorry, I got a little upset. And then I told her, you know, what I think God was telling me. And then I went, the moment I said it, it was so she could go to a camp and she didn't want to go. She said, okay, give me the keys. She said, "I'll go get. I'll go to the camp. It was like just... Boom, just like that. But that's how we have to be out in our workplace. We have to grow with this word so we know how to get the best out of our people. And the only way we're going to get the best out of our people is not shining the light on them. It's it's helping them succeed in their weakness so that they realize somebody is with them to know their potential. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what I love about the military and discipline. The key is to learn discipline. But now the spiritual, that's where... that's I see a lot of military get out of the military and when they hit the spiritual, they've already got the natural down. So now when they hit the spiritual, they become an explosion to the world because they can actually draw people understanding that natural and that physical. But he tells us everybody is going to become a tree of its same kind, whether it's good or evil. So we're going to end with this. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you how to develop your points on how to develop your potential is how we're going to end this class. How to develop your potential. One, by knowing the source. God knows that we are made, what we're made of. He knows what our potential is because He created us. We might ask Him, how do we find out from God what is our potential? The answer is easy. This is such an easy answer. By knowing and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life. Then, the moment you do that, by establishing and maintaining, that's the key, a close and intimate relationship with Him. How do you do that? You open that Bible every day. The Word says if you open up that Word and meditate on it morning and night, He's going to start changing something in you. He will start to challenge you. So the first thing is, you have to know your source. Your source has to be tapping into your Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Through worshiping Him. Two, how do we develop our potential? Two, by discovering our purpose and our calling. We know that our purpose was originated up in heaven, like I already spoke. It was already intentional for your life. It was already created, but now you've got to pull it out of heaven. You can't just, you just, you don't get the, um, you don't get the orders of where you're to relocate. You actually have to spend time with him, and then you actually extract out of heaven your next move. And the whole time you're pulling it out of heaven... The Word says there are three heavens. Heaven on earth. We're living it right now. Heaven on earth. Second heaven is Satan's heaven. It's darkness. His only job is to get you not to hit the third heaven. That's the only job Satan does in your life. To make you so miserable that you will not read the Word. You will not seek God. So you don't pull out what's stored up for you in heaven. People think they have to die to get the treasures that are laid up in heaven. That's not what the Word says. The Word says the hope of glory is in you. And if you will seek me, I have treasures laying up for you in heaven. The treasure is the excellence of the truth of your life, of what you're to do next. But it, the moment uh, the moment you start seeking this and growing that seed, tapping open that seed, darkness comes and does what? Attacks you. Because the enemy does not want you to get the treasure you have laid up in heaven because he doesn't want you to experience a resurrected life. So, you have to be able to know you've got to get up into that third heaven. So, you have to know that your purpose is already there. You have to think, God already has my whole plan sitting there. I'm sitting here on the first heaven letting darkness block me. Do you know what I mean? By doing nothing. So That's that's why a lost person is so much more blessed than a saved person who doesn't seek God. You can be saved and not seek God. You, people just think, oh, I got saved. Now my life will be great. That's what I thought. Ah, I'll be saved. This is good. But that's not how it works. You have to continually seek him to extract what's already planned for your life. It's already established. Everybody's already called. But we can't receive it until we develop that relationship. If we want to develop our potential, we must know the purpose. We must know the calling and we must know the will of God. And you know what? Guess what it says in the word the will of God is? Because that's where you what's the will of God? It says God wants to give you all the goodness that he has stored up in heaven to you. But he said the first thing you have to do to get in my will is to thank me. It says the will of God is to give praise and thanksgiving. So when we opened up singing praising the Lord, that's because I didn't want to go into this teaching without praising Him. Because He's the one who shows us the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But then we have to thank Him. When you leave today, I want everybody to get in their car. And I just want you to thank God for everything that you have. Everything that you know is good. Everything that you know has been bad to you. You thank Him for that. Because if anything bad happened, He was just trying to get you into a what? A famine. And you could have missed the famine because you went back and you started working out your natural life. But if you thank him, he said, that is the will of God. And then when he brings down the treasure from heaven and it comes unexpected, boom, it comes into your life. You just you're just so shocked because you didn't expect it. This ministry has been called. We give cars to people. And when we give cars to people, they never know they're getting them. And we don't judge them by how good they're doing or whatever. We sat in a tabernacle table, which um, Ray is on, and so is um, <clears throat> Shauna. And somebody had said God's going to give away a black car, a black vehicle to somebody. So Gene, C.E. Hall, took it very seriously, and he te- kept praying. So all he did was he didn't know who the car was for. He didn't know what he was going to do. This just happened. But all he kept on doing was circling black vehicles. He would go out, search for black. He saw the car. He kept looking. He found the car. And he still bought it and didn't know who it was going to be for. You know what I mean? And then the person showed up at a class who never comes to class. And we knew that car was up for that person. But it was so powerful because he didn't do it with the intent that, oh, I'm going to buy this person a car. And I'm going to feel good about myself because I did that. No, God has given this ministry a purpose to help supply people with need. But it's going to be from the Spirit. Because when the person received the card, they broke. And what did they break in? Thanksgiving. They just started, first it was a shock. But then they just started thanking God. Thanking God because the goodness of God brings one to repentance. That's what the Word says. What is repentance? Repentance is not punishment. Repentance is change your way of thinking so you can untap the truth. Just change your way of thinking. If you change your way of thinking and you rejoiced in the in the in the famine, you wouldn't be in that famine very long. I'm telling you. When somebody's in the famine, the first thing I tell them, start thanking God. Start singing praise. And they're looking at me, "I cannot praise anything right now." <laughs> and I get so excited, I hug them, and I'm like, "Praising with them, being what? A cloud of witness?" Cuz I've already been through the famine a couple times. So I get it. I get the cycle. I just want to help bring other people through the cycle because then you have the fullness of joy. You have the fullness of peace. You have the fullness of righteousness. Righteousness is just standing before God and saying, I put you first. The moment you start putting God first, he says, you are righteous. And you could think of all your sins. And he's like, "What? I already forgave you for those. I don't even, that's not even in my record count. Just because you come before me every morning, you are righteous. Isn't that awesome? We actually get pardoned the moment we come before him every morning and we ask him for help. Do you know one time I had a rental application and I had somebody who wanted to rent the house and I knew they had cash funds to do it but something wasn't right and I I knew that it wasn't the best for the owner but yet by the world standard I had no reason not to take them. Man, I got in my car. I was like, Lord, if I am not, I do not feel right. If this is not the, and it's not even about the person. It's about doing right and asking God. I was like, if this is not what I'm supposed to you're going to have to bring me the real tenant, like, now, because I'm going to have to accept them by the world. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no reason not to. I just, something felt so bad about it. My spirit kept rising, like, I couldn't, it kept rising, like, I knew if I did it, it would be wrong. God put before me life or death. But he didn't ask me to figure it out. He said, call on me. I went out to my car, I gripped my thing, and I was like, okay, God, I'm just, you know, I'm going to have to take this person because I have no reason not to. You're going to have to bring me the tenant. No kidding. Within an hour, a man comes in, applies for this unit. You you remember that time, don't you? A person, I'm like this. And everything about, everything was right. So I didn't, I chose that. When I had to choose an applicant, I had to still make a what? Choice. I know I chose the right applicant. And it was better for this person because this person wasn't, it wasn't what God had for that person. Do you know we steward decisions for people? Every day I could have said yes to that person and that person would have ended up getting into a wrong mess. Because though I am more skilled in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was already telling me, This is not the person, this is not the person. I said, Then you need to bring the person. <laughs> there are so many times that I have gotten with God when He is trying to tell me to do something that's contrary to my flesh that I gotta like say to Him, Alright, I need your help because I can't do this. Because this is what the world's telling me to do and I need I need your help. And that means you're gonna have to bring something. That I'm just gonna know. And he does it for me every time. He does it for me every time. Usually, I mean, I'm telling you, and when I don't ask, that doesn't mean I ask all the time. I have missed the boat. Even in my maturity, I have missed asking. And when I miss asking, it doesn't feel good. Because he's like, you just haven't asked me for help. I want to release things, but you've gotta ask me. So, we talked about source, knowing the source, Discovering the purpose, which is ultimately for our thanksgiving in Him, by having a mentor. It is so important. Everybody has to have a mentor. There is a spiritual mentor that will help you die. (laughs) Jesus is our teacher. There is no other teacher. The Holy Spirit was given to us to help teach what was Jesus' way, but you still need people. You need someone that's going to love you through dying. You know what I mean? And God sends you to a place. Where you, somebody will love you in the death, but you got to know that person's aside to make sure, to make sure that you get there. Doesn't mean we do it. How do we make sure somebody that we pray for them? I'm not praying for people to die. I'm praying for people to be spiritually aware. And the moment I pray that, boom, they start going through their famine. Because God wants to get them in their place. Do you know what I mean? So it's not, we're not praying specific for people. We're praying for them to work out their salvation. We're praying for what, God wants in their life and when they go with it, you have to go with it like a wave. You just got to slide down that little slippery slope and just let yourself just go with it and the more you can find um, joy in it, you're going to experience the resurrection, but nobody can do it by themselves. God never sends a man to do this alone. Even when he pulled Moses out of Egypt, he sent Moses to Jethro's house, who was a priest out in the wilderness. For 40 years, nobody heard from Moses. Nobody knew who Moses was. He sent him with somebody that made him work the land. Made him grow. Make him help serve another family. Just like Joseph. Joseph was taken away as a slave and then had to serve Potiphar's house. That wasn't his choice. It wasn't Moses' choice. Moses heard the Lord say, now leave Egypt. And now go to this land. I will bring you back to save my people. Now get this. To bring many people to salvation. I'll bring you back to Egypt when you're ready. So think about it. Most of our life is waiting for what God created us to do. But in the wait, we have to what? Grow and learn the potential. We have to go through the famines to even know what we're called to do, but everybody in here is called to do a great thing. So, but if you don't have a mentor and you don't, and a mentor is a place. A mentor can be a person. A mentor is someone who seeks God. And it's important, like we have We like it when our men get together, because you know what? Women, the Word said there are two functions, man and woman, right? Together they are them, is what the Bible says. So you and your husband, you're them. (laughs) Okay, so a man's function is to carry a vision. A woman's function is to help a vision. Do you believe that? So the vision a woman sees is connected to the man she's to serve. And usually the man knows that that's his wife, because there is something, and the woman knows it's the man. Because she will die to serve the vision in that man. And the woman will lay down her life when she sees that the man is living for the vision of Jesus Christ. When people struggle with their wives serving and coming into alignment with their thinking, it just means they're not thinking in Christ. Because the moment they think in Christ and God shows them their potential, watch your wives change. I'm telling you, We see it all the time. When a man... Takes his position in Christ. It's like you see the little lights go on in the life. Like, I'm attracted to you now. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm serious. A wife is attracted to the vision she's connected to. We don't even know why we are. The testimonies of how people... When I do marriage counseling, I always say, tell me how you met. I'm looking for it to align with the Word. One marriage couple came in. And it was so awesome. They were so fighting. They even like threw stuff at each other's car up, you know what I mean like they get started getting physical so they came in the conference room and I had them on both sides and I'm like and the parents call me and they're like help my son get a divorce I was like well I don't believe in divorce I said but you know I can't decide if it's God or not only the word will be able to do that and she's like well I want you to counsel them for divorce I said well let me just counsel them and let me see where it goes right so they come in the door and they hate each other totally hate each other And then I had to ask. I was like, you guys have Bibles? Both answers were what? No. Okay. So I was like, and they hate each other so much. I was like, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Right? And he said, put your Bible on the center table. So I put my Bible on the center table. I asked them they have Bibles. They said no. I said, okay, can you both agree that this could have truth in it and could answer your questions? And they said, yes, they did. And she said, I've just never opened a Bible. She never even accepted Christ in her heart. But yet she was open, right? So this is a pointed time. He had already accepted Christ in his heart. So I said, okay. They sat down. I said, well, tell me why you married her. You know what I mean? And you know what he said to me? He said, I married her because I thought she would make an excellent mother. Check. (laughs) Come on! I was just like, and but he's like, I made a mistake. (laughs) But he said she would make an excellent mother. And I was like, that checked in my spirit. And then I turned to him. And she said she felt secure. Then I turned to her. And I said, why did you marry him? If you guys hate each other, why did you, why did you marry him? Let's get to what you really, she said, when I looked at him the first time, and they're looking mad at each other right now, she goes, I felt so secure that I thought that everything was going to be good in my life. But I'm definitely wrong on that. But that was the right answer. Check. A woman has to feel secure with the vision that's in the man. So I knew their marriage was of God. It didn't make a difference if they had God in their marriage in the beginning. They married each other for the right spiritual reasons. And no kidding. They were listening to me and they started moving closer closer to the Bible. Closer to the Bible. Closer to the Bible. Closer to the Bible. The parents were shocked. She accepted Christ in her heart and then I told them, now your job is going to be to live by this word, but it's not going to be easy. I said, because he has the vision and you're to help him. So that means you both have to right now work on your relationship with Christ. Well, anyway, it's been the best testimony. They've been married for like five years. They have two children now. They're very happy. Like, it it, it gives me joy to see that setting a legacy, which is why we go to work every day, is to help people come into what they're supposed to do. And do you know every time you do that, God lifts you up into the heavenly. And he gives you something of a treasure in heaven because you served him. I didn't have to spend that time with those people. But when I did, I felt an elevation when I went to worship God the next day. Because God was pleased that I helped pull somebody into his kingdom. But I'm not sitting there trying to make accounts. count. Does that make sense? There, it says in the book of life, there already is an assigned job for you every day. There is an assigned person for you to encourage every day. There is something assigned for you to do for him every day. And he puts it before you every day. You either choose it or you don't. We all miss it. I still miss it. I have days where I still miss it. But when I recognize we're to build a legacy and we're to keep building people, man, it says that when you get to heaven, wait till you see what God has for the one who seeked him on earth. Christ said, you will do much more than what I did on this earth. Because we have, Christ came as the blameless lamb. He had no sin. We are born and we have what? Sin. So when we choose God and we choose to do his purpose, he's going to uncrack a potential because we chose even in the darkness. And we didn't have the power. We didn't have what Jesus had in him. We have it, but we didn't have it the level Jesus had. Do you get what I'm saying? So we will do so much more for him in this time. So everybody needs to surround themselves with a mentor. With a mentor. It's so important. Please put up Ephesians 4.11 and 4.12. We also need to know that we have to be in the right place. We have to be cultivated. Those are the important things. You have to be at the right place and the right time. You have to be cultivated in the right place and the right time. And this is where everybody should be. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Everybody in here is the church. So everybody has gifts here. These are the gifts. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So when you tap into your natural atten- your natural ability, when you tap into that natural ability, what you do outside that door, then you tap into your spiritual ability, which is it? Are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you a pastor? Are you a teacher? Are you an evangelist? Which one are you? Because everybody's something. It, but not everybody's going to function in these because they won't take the call. I had to learn I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. I can pastor. I can actually function in all those to a measure, but my strength is teaching. God gave me ability to teach this word in a way that people understand. And it draws people to their destiny. Do you know what I mean? I can't do that. Only the spirit in me can do it. But once I said yes to it, then he started maturing his own gift. I can't mature it. He did it. And how did he do it? He put me in such sanctification. He said, when you choose this, I will set you apart. And I will set you apart just like he did Moses. Set him apart for 40 years in Jethro's house. I will raise you up, then I'm going to bring you back to the people. And when he brings it back to the people, then that is where God starts giving you the treasures that he has lined up for you in heaven. Do you know, this is so funny, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but this is true. If you want a jet ski, I want you to think about this, and you have looked at the magazine of a jet ski, you're like, you do a car, and you're like, I have to have that jet ski. I have to, I want that jet ski. Who put that desire in your heart? If you want a jet ski, God put the desire in your heart for a jet ski. All right? So that means one day you're going to get a what? A jet ski. You didn't work at that. Now, if you think all your friends have jet skis and then you want a jet ski because your friends have a jet ski, who put that desire in your heart? Satan. But if something starts in your heart and saying, I want to have that jet ski, you know God's had to put that desire in your heart. And that means one day he's going to give you that desire because you've done his work. See, he doesn't pay you to do his work. He actually blesses you so you can bless somebody else because the jet ski isn't for you. He puts the desire to have a jet ski in your heart so that when you go use that jet ski, you will do the will of God, which it is to thank Him and then to honor Him. And then when you're hanging around somebody at the marina with the jet ski, you start ministering to Him. Do you get how God works? God, when we pick the desire of our heart, but we don't let Him give us the desire of our heart, that tells you what kingdom you're in. You know what I mean? If you want the big house because everybody has a big house, then guess what? That desire was not God. But the good thing is the word says, I will use that for your good. Okay? And usually he's going to challenge you in that area in your famine. So we have to think about that. We live. God doesn't want us living in two kingdoms. He wants us living in one kingdom. But this is where God, he knows we, we do tend to live in two kingdoms. Because we're learning his kingdom. We're learning the potential. So remember, today's lesson, the purpose is there's a kingdom life for everybody. You have your natural ability and you have your spiritual abilities. You've got to start seeking what is that, what is that ability that you're supposed to be doing? Where has God placed you? But it only can be cultivated in a place where the presence of God is at. Because if there's no presence of God in your life, then it's hard to hear Him. So in this ministry, we teach everybody to read the Word. Come on in here to the classes, feel the presence of God, rest in the presence, and you'll start learning your abilities more. Do you know what I mean? And God did put us on this earth to enjoy it, not to suffer in the famine. The famine, it says, is only to be but a breath. Now let's think of a breath. Everybody breathe in. Now breathe out. That was really fast, wasn't it? That's how fast your famine can be when you yield to it. It's when you fight it. You're like holding the breath thinking that you're going to, you know, win the game of holding your breath under the water (laughs) the longest, okay? But you really are just what? Dying. So, was this good for everybody? Okay. A good reminder of when uh, we have a purpose out there in the marketplace and in that God's got to cultivate it. So let me ask everybody to stand and we're just going to pray and then I'm going to dismiss. I want to thank everybody for coming today and I just want you to close your eyes. The word says that when we raise our hands, and we close our eyes that we are in the full surrender to God. So when we close our eyes and we lift up our hands, so I'm going to ask everybody to lift up their hands as much as they can. Because I know sometimes that can be hard. But if you lift up your hands, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we lift up our hands and we surrender our hearts to you. Lord, we thank you for the word that was presented today. Lord, we thank you for the truth that you revealed in your word. Lord, we thank you for showing us through your son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, as we raise up our hands and we surrender to you and we leave this building today, we will honor you and we will give thanksgiving to all the things that you have put in our life, whether good or bad. Lord, we will honor you in all things that as you present what comes before us, we hope and be guided to choose life and not death. Lord, help us not to speak and to guard our lips before we say anything to another human being, before we consult you. Lord, help us and guide us to the way in which you want us to go in cultivating the spirit of the Lord. Lord, give each person the desire to open their Bible and to be led in worship and fellowship with you. Lord, I thank you for the testimonies and for the miracles and for the revelation that you are going to impart on the people today. Lord, we honor you and we lift you up in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.